There's a lot of people. Just a reminder to everybody, I, we also post it on Facebook and everything, but all those announcements, if you lose that sheet, it is on our website. It looks just like that, and it says March events. So you can easily find that. So guys, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we will be for the next couple months. We've got some gifted speakers among us, and uh, today we're going to hear from one. And Bree is going to be preaching on John 9. So let me pray. I'm going to hand it off to her. You get cheers. You do. <laughs> Father, we just pray that you bless this word, that you would speak to our hearts and change our lives and give her the words to speak um, and bless our hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, guys. I'm excited to be with you all today. Um, it's always a pleasure to get to um, to get to do this. Of course, when Brian asked me, I laughed because that's what I do. I nervous laughter. <laughs> He's like, "Why? Why are you laughing?" I said, "Oh, don't mind. Don't listen to me. <laughs> I um, I uh, struggle sometimes to be obedient to the Lord um, and and move when He asks me to move. So I think that's a common thing we all do, isn't it? Um, so before we get we begin, let us pray. Um, Lord, meet us today. Comfort our hearts with your love. Help us ask hard questions, but help us ask you those questions. Lord, we can't do any of this on our own. We need you. Son of David, don't pass me by. Amen. Ah, so this week I was streaming music like I do daily. And I had my Spotify on my John Mark McMillan station. I don't know if any of you like him. He's one of my favorites. But um, I'm doing, you know, chores and all the things. And then I hear in the background um, the words, Son of David, don't pass me by. And all of a sudden I just froze. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, you hear that in a lot of the stories, you know, in the New Testament where people will call out to Jesus, heal me. You know, don't. Don't leave without healing me. I, I want you to see me. Um, and just for that moment, I felt like I was um, lame, you know, crowds of people passing me by that just hoping, begging beyond hope that Jesus would turn my way. Um, and then he does. And then being overwhelmed by his presence when his shadow alone could have done it, could have just a small touch from him could do it. And, um, but to have him stop and speak to me, it's remarkable that he should, and it's utterly dumbfounding to know that he does. And in our daily lives, he does. Uh, when we stop and we call out to him, um, he will turn and talk to us. So thank you, Lord, for the ways that you speak, that you capture our hearts as only you can. Where can we go, Lord? You alone have the water of life. Amen. Okay, so today we're looking at John chapter 9, where Jesus heals the man born blind. Um, but first, I'm really excited to look at John because I've never um, realized how unique John was. I didn't realize that it was written for a unique purpose until we were starting to do this series, to be honest with you. Um, and so in chapter 20, verse 31, um, John is telling us that Jesus performed 
many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book of John, but they're written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the whole thing is that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing, you may have life in his name, which is amazing. (laughs) The work of belief. Um, John quotes Jesus in chapter 6, verse 29, as the crowd that he had fed uh, is following him around, asking him. They ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of belief. Lord, may we believe. (laughs) Amen. Um, Now we're ready to jump into chapter 9. Uh, which is the third healing in the book of John. Um, so you can join me. We're going to start in verse 1. If we've got that, we can put it up on the... Yay! Okay, so as he went along, he being Jesus and his disciples, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Wow. Right away, we're confronted with the question, which was a widely held belief, that if you were sick or lame or blind, it was because you had sinned. So they asked Jesus, and who knows what prompted them to do it. Um, Maybe it was just that they noticed him and it brought it up. In their, in their brain. So they strike up the conversation. They ask Jesus. And I, I feel like it's a little impertinent for them to ask right in front of the guy. You know, who knows if, they could, if he could hear them. Um, but I'm also glad they asked because I think we too ask the same question. And the only one that can ever answer it is Jesus. Um, if the blind man had asked Jesus the question directly, I would be immediately weeping um, because I've heard this question asked voiced, really, um, by a friend who was diagnosed as a child um, with a lifelong disease. And it broke my heart to hear her pain. Um, As much as I want to answer her, uh, definitely that that is not why, um, only Jesus holds the answers to those questions, those questions of why. Only Jesus can speak to her in her heart of hearts and bring her peace over the pain that that question has caused her. But I would love to encourage you today with this revelation that Jesus suffered for the redemption of all mankind and that all of our sickness and suffering and death and sadness will be used by the Lord for the redemption of all mankind, that he will make all things new and that nothing is wasted. Praise the Lord. So when I feel brokenhearted, as many of you seem to be this morning, even over things we see across the world, um, when I feel brokenhearted over someone's pain, it humbles me beyond words to remember that the Lord cares more than I care, 
I think I care so much. (laughs) And he cares more than me. When I think I feel it so deeply, nothing else gives me more comfort than knowing that the Lord wants to see salvation come to my friend more than I do. So what did I tell my friend? I told her to ask Jesus. Oh, dear friend, ask Jesus. Um, Don't be tormented by the accusations of the enemy. Ask Jesus to meet you where you are in your questions, and he will. Hardly ever does he do it the way that you would expect, um, but I found his ways better than mine. So, um, David Pawson, who is one of our favorites that we're listening to these days, (laughs) um, explains that sickness and suffering is the result of sin, sometimes our own, other sins, or the devil's sins, as we see in the example of Job. Um, The devil's actions in our world have consequences, but we know the day is coming when all sin will be eradicated, that all sickness and suffering goes with it. I would like to say that no sickness is a result of our own sin, but Jesus doesn't say that here Um, or in John chapter 5, as we saw with the man uh, by the pool. He sees the man from the pool of Bethsaida. In verse 14, he says, See, you are well again. So he was well at one time. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you, which is sobering. Uh, But for that man, Jesus says it, so we'll listen. Let us continue to do the work of believing in Jesus when it's hard or when we doubt. Um, Moving on to the next part of chapter 9. Maybe the more sensational part in some senses because we see confrontation coming for this man who was born blind. Uh, We're going to read on in verse 8 through 16. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. (laughs) But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. Ow. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, Jesus also asked him how he had, I'm sorry. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he was receiving his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others claimed, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. I think it's kind of funny, first thing, that uh, that his neighbors aren't sure that it's him. (laughs) He's like, are you sure it's you? He's like, no, it's me. Um, Is it the case of mistaken identity? Uh, Incredibly, the man is healed on the Sabbath, again, similar to chapter 5. And the Pharisees, they are caught in the perfect trap of their own logic. They can't sort out the muddle between Jesus breaking the Sabbath which they call sin, and Jesus being able to perform miracles. So they are trying to work around Jesus and figure out how to sort it in their own mind. 
They feel tricked, honestly. <laughs> they use their status to call the man who was born blind for a testimony. He's brought before them to give an account for the issue. And let's not forget that they don't actually care that he got healed and was given his sight. Um, they never mention it to him. <laughs> Congratulations, you can see. Um, it's, it's kind of wild. They just move on to what's bothering them. They turn again in verse 17. They turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Which is pretty profound. Uh, the man born blind, remember he's been begging his whole life, has never been able to see, um, has never studied, you know, his, who knows what his life was like. Um, and he's standing there before the Pharisees who are fighting you know, arguing back and forth, and he's able to be so bold. It was probably an uncomfortable room for him to be in, and then they turn on him. This was a moment of incredible courage and the work of belief. He gives a confident, forthright statement. He is a prophet. Remember how Jesus said he'd been born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him? His physical healing isn't the only work that's displayed. His testimony is just getting warmed up. Uh, he boldly proclaims what he knows of Jesus, which alone is a work of God, healing aside. Let's keep reading in verse 18. They still did not believe that he'd been born blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. <laughs> Are you sure this is him? Uh, is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can now see, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah, would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. A second time. They summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. So do they think he's lying? <laughs> Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I love that. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have already, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And this is the best part almost. The man answered, now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. How dare you? It's amazing. So the Pharisees start where the neighbors started. Mistaken identity. Are you sure this is him? Are you sure he was born blind? They're like, uh, yeah, yeah, he was blind. Uh, they even uh, go so far as to scare them, right? They're scared. They're scared to get thrown out. They're scared to say the wrong thing. They basically refuse to answer any more questions. <laughs> no more questions, please. Uh, they call the man born blind back for a second interview, and he is ready to spit some fire back at the religious leaders. It honestly reminds me of the words of Jesus in Luke 12, uh, verse 11 and 12. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how to defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what to say. And I, I truly believe that the work of the Lord is being displayed in this man, <laughs> at, that he's able to have courage to say that. The man born blind gives an incredible and powerful testimony for Jesus and gets thrown out. I love that he doesn't have to know the answers to all their questions, uh, but he stands firmly on what he does know. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. Amazing. Another one of our favorites around here is Fleming Rutledge. She spoke on this chapter uh, and said, the story of the man born blind is a challenge to Christians in any time in any place, we very often hold back from a forthright statement of faith in Jesus, lest we be shunned. She challenges us with the question, will we wimp out? And my thought immediately went to Nicodemus from the end of chapter 7. John just is full. <laughs> uh, the Pharisees say, no Pharisee or ruler believes in Jesus, and Nicodemus is standing right there. He doesn't have the courage to clearly and boldly say. Um, he tries to stand up for him by asking for a fair trial. You know, he, he puts a foot in there. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't, he's not clear or bold. May the Lord give us the courage to be like the man born blind and say the one thing that we know. Now we get to finish our story and see the man meet Jesus a second time. Sorry, verses 35 to 41. Jesus heard they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Staggering. <laughs> The man born blind is healed physically, which is miraculous, and answers Jesus humbly. He does the work of belief, and he worships Jesus. The man born blind displays the works of the Lord in his physical healing, his bold testimony about Jesus, and in his spiritual healing. 
at the end, which is incredible. But as high up as we go with the man who's born blind, we are brought back down to a really stark reality with the Pharisees. The Pharisees refuse to see. Fleming Rutledge calls them the ones who are truly blind. They think they can see past Jesus, around Jesus, and that is spiritual blindness. David Pawson says that John chapter 9 begins and ends with the same question, who is guilty for this blindness? And in the beginning, the answer is neither the man nor his parents. But at the end, Jesus says the Pharisees are guilty of their own blindness. They have closed their eyes to the truth and put themselves in the category of those who won't see. Not those who can't, but those who won't. Spiritual blindness. I'd love to leave you with this. One thing I do know. Jesus is the Messiah, the rescuer, the only way, the light of the world, the Son of God, the Son of Man. Let us pray. Lord, let us bring our broken bodies, our guilt-ridden hearts, and our spiritual blindness. Son of David, don't pass me by. May I not trap myself in logic and refuse to see you as Lord. May I be humble with you, Jesus. May I not wimp out in boldly declaring you as my Lord and my God. Amen. Let's stand really quick. We're going to sing a song to close.